Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this really, really special edition of Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today is a super duper unique podcast. I have actually two amazing women on as guests, Kate Eisler and Sharon Harris. So this is going to be a little tricky, but a fun experiment in three-way conversation via audio-only podcasting. So I think you'll be able to keep up with us. If you can't, you'll have fun trying. So today's guest is, as I said, Kate Eisler, and the other wonderful guest is Sharon Harris. We're going to first hear from Kate a little. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kate. So I worked in technology for about 200 years. I started very <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> Most of it outside the U.S. And more recently, um, I am a co-founder for a conscious consulting organization called Be Bold Now. And we focus on promoting and celebrating women and really creating um, a space for women to work in a balanced environment and feel like they belong. Well, Kate, what does that mean, a balanced environment? You know, I hear all the time about diversity, and diversity to me is kind of a loaded term. It's, first of all, I think it's a little bit outdated, and it assumes that our workplace is pretty stagnant, because you can create diversity and check a box, and there you go. But balance is an ongoing issue in business, and you always want to be looking at your market and looking at, you know, are you meeting the demands of the market? And this day and age, our workplace is changing. Everything about it is changing. We are seeing four generations of work together. We're seeing gig work. We're seeing all kinds of things. And I think it requires constant engagement and understanding you know, how you create a balanced team, which is a team with different backgrounds and different ages and different perspectives, different cultures and different genders also. So would you say that diversity is more like the old school check in the box, but inclusivity is about, uh, you know, getting very, valuing those differences, really truly valuing the differences, not just checking the box. Would that be fair, um, maybe in, in a way to describe your definition of balance? Yeah, I think that, you know, inclusivity is a two-way street, and I think it absolutely, you know, there's intent, but there's also on the receiving in, that's where the belonging comes in. And so I truly believe that, you know, you can intend to include people, but if they don't feel like they belong, you've only gone halfway. And so I think that it's both things. And I think that, you know, again, as we change our work environment and things are moving fast to change the norms, that that's we- really powerful. The, the term belonging is mm -hmm. so just, it paints a vivid picture in everyone's mind. I mean, because it's so personal. Like you said, it's from the other person's perspective. Do I feel as if I belong? That's very, very powerful. Um, I love that. Do you, do you mind if we shift a minute to Sharon? I want to ask her. Share a little bit about yourself, Sharon. Oh, great. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having us on today. So um, I have spent uh, not 200 years in technology. <laughs> 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 but uh, it, it seemed like 200 years at times, given how much work. But I've spent uh, relatively, probably about 23 years now um, in what I would call the marketing, advertising, and technology space. 
And I, my career has really been marked by always being on the bleeding edge of new technologies, whether it's I was one of the first 20 employees for Sirius Satellite Radio, uh, I've worked on interactive television, and I was one of the early pioneers of mobile technology. So while we talk about all the phones today, but it actually started with just advertising through carriers and ringtones and wallpapers. Uh, so that's how I began my career. Uh, currently, I am at Deloitte Consulting, and I lead our, our relationship with Google on the marketing platform side of the house. So all things, once again, advertising and marketing. Uh, so it's really an interesting time because we're seeing a lot of innovation, a lot of change, uh, and I think there's also a tremendous amount of opportunity. Um, I love that Kate talked a little bit about belonging because in my work, I really do focus on as we have all of these new technologies, uh, I really look at technology as an enabler. It is really meant to empower people to do the things that they want to do. And when we think about creating inclusive cultures and people feeling as though they belong, technology can go a long way to further that, whether it's helping people with disabilities, bridging language barriers, or just being able to supply people with information in a more real-time capacity. So uh, I think it's really crucial that people really embrace and become more aware of what that really means and start to look at a much broader definition of inclusivity and how to develop deep connections uh, with you know, their colleagues, their friends, and their families. I love that. So as Kate well knows, and all of my listeners well know, I am all about social media. I, I connect with people. We've moved all around the country. And in doing so, the way to stay connected was through social media. So I'm a firm believer in that. I know that there are those out there who feel as if social media and technology has made them lonelier or feel more isolated. But I think it's like with any language or any, um, you know, delivery of a message, you choose what to do with that technology and you choose, you know, to use it to say, meet me here, or let's get together in this group chat, or let's go meet for a real cup of coffee or versus just being a bystander, watching everyone else play out their lives via technology. So I love that you said that I'm all, I'm a big fan. And I think your case right there, Sharon was very powerful. Um, to show how technology brings people together, not pulls us apart. Well, Kate, let's shift back to you for a second. I wanna ask you, now I know Kate, folks, I've known Kate for a while. Um, I like to think of her as um, my alter ego, <laughs> another version of me, but skinny. And um, she's a runner and I'm not, but other than that, I think that Kate is a, um, has a lot of great things going on. So speaking of those great things, tell us Kate, in your long history, what um not 200 years folks she has not been doing this for 200 years she's lying but what has been your proudest professional accomplishment you know i would have to say that um right now it is this organization the be bold now because i you know this was born out of a passion and it is really what brings sharon and i together is this organization that we have now is very much focused on women and very much focused, um, it has been, it grew out of a lack of celebration and acknowledgement of International Women's Day. And as I said, I spent most of my career outside the US and we always celebrated International Women's Day. 
it has been celebrated around the world for over a hundred years. And it is a day that acknowledges and celebrates women's contributions across social and culture and economics, just, you know, everything about women. And it is also a day in which we call for parity and look at what is the gender gap and what can we do? Because we want to put a spotlight on women doing amazing things. And so my proudest moment is really, I used to kind of host an International Women's Day on the side. And this is, this will be our fifth year hosting in Seattle. And we have grown that organization. And there was a day about two years ago where I woke up and went, gosh, you know, what I'm doing in technology, I was running a digital healthcare startup, and it was hard and no fun. And I thought, gosh, this what, you know, be bold and the, the organization around the, the celebratory, but also the opportunity to infuse technology businesses, which is predominantly because of my background, but not exclusive, with the idea of gender balance and how to infuse that and to celebrate and highlight women doing that is such, awesome. such a gratifying thing that I'm, it was scary. You know, it was not what I, what I was qualified in, so I thought. And now I'm having the time of my life and I'm so proud of this organization. Yeah. That I mean, is I awesome. Let me ask you, Sharon, well, both of y'all, I should say, um, let me explain to the audience. These women are well-versed in technology and they've done remarkable things at uh, global companies and they've been recognized for their work. So when they answer my question and say that BeBoldNow.com is their proudest professional accomplishment, that is a big deal because these women have done incredible, amazing things at huge global companies that are moving the needle. Um, so Sharon, what personally could you say maybe about your proudest professional accomplishment? Um, and maybe ladies, you know, it hasn't happened yet. I know Be Bold Now is pretty darn amazing. Um, I think that this should, should and will continue for many, many years to come. But Sharon, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, I mean, without a doubt, uh, being involved in Be Bold is certainly a, a very proud moment for me because it really is around you know, celebrating women, hearing the stories of women across a broad spectrum of backgrounds, and acknowledging the fact that women have truly persevered, you know, and done amazing things. Uh, when I think about what Be Bold does, you know, in terms of shining the light, celebrating these women, and really bringing together a broad cross-section of women. And for me, as a, you know, an black woman in the technology space, it's important to address that intersectionality that exists. I'm not a woman one day and black the next. I'm both of those things. But what Be Bold does is acknowledges all the women, you know, regardless of background, regardless of race, regardless of identity. And it's, it's one of those events that I think highlights how important it is that we come together, how important it is that we have those conversations and understand the connectedness of our communities. So it's an incredibly proud moment for me. Uh, I would say it probably ranks up there with launching a platform that reaches a billion people today um, because this is something that's personal. Uh, it reflects a lot of who I am as a person uh, and it also reflects a lot of the aspirations I have for the world and you know what I hope young girls who see us on stage think of, you know, that 
nothing is impossible, that everything is within reach. Um, and it's really about, you know, hard work, uh, passion, uh, and building, you know, great partnerships with others to ensure that you can achieve your dreams. I love that. God, that's beautiful. So you, you paint a very vivid picture in your storytelling. And I love that the event is all about storytelling. And you two women are the embodiment of what you can do, what you will do, uh, what you have done, and you're certainly not finished. So I, I love this quote by uh, Clara Patty. It says, stories have a transformative power to allow us to see the world in a different way than we do if we just encounter it on our own. Stories are an entry point to understanding a different experience of the world. And I think you too, with your Be Bold um, event, annual event, you bring life to that quote. You bring, you know, you personify that quote. You give voice to these women. I personally am uh, very, very excited to be a guest at this event. I'm, I'm coming to Seattle. I just cannot wait. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share about it. Um, I just love what you're doing. It's very, very important. It's very in line with um, a lot of the women that I respect a great deal in the work that they're doing. Well, since you are, um, I guess not, you know, I guess you could inspire one another. I'm sure that you do. And I'm sure you're inspired by the, the women on stage. But let me ask you personally, uh, Kate, who has been a personal mentor or inspiration to you? You know, I have lots and it's, it's, they come and go to be really honest. And it depends on the stage of my life. And, you know, as I set out on this journey for gender equity is what I kind of think of it. I have lots of them. I have one um, very prominent businesswoman in Seattle. Her name is Adrienne Brown. And she literally took me under her wing and has taught me so much about, as Sharon said, the intersection of our communities. And she has a very level head and a, a beautiful approach. I am usually pretty much head first into things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even, yeah. as, even as, as a um, mature career person, I'm oftentimes head first and, and fall over me. And you know, so while I think that there are people that I look up to that are more notable and famous, I think people in my own lives around me, and I would, I would put Sharon into that category and my co-founder, Nikki Smith, into those categories because, you know, I think some of the best mentors are people around you. And if you are willing to look at how those people interact with you and how um, they approach things in a very um, open-minded way, you learn. And, you know, you can read and learn, and I think that's wonderful. But for me, it's a very much a hands-on, and I have gotten such inspiration for them because I've learned to literally ask for help, which is something that's so hard for women. Because we, you know, for all the right cult or all the wrong cultural reasons have been taught not to do it. And I have learned from these women to, you know, raise my hand and say, I'm out of my depth, or I don't understand, or this is my approach. And to me, that's inspiring. They help me every day. I love that. So it's everyday people that you surround yourself with. And I think we should uh, surround ourselves with people who, um, 
lift as we rise, lift as we rise. So Sharon, what about you? Who has been your uh, best inspiration or maybe a mentor in your life? Oh, well, I've, I've been really, really blessed and fortunate. I would say two of my best mentors in my life were my mother and my grandmother. Um, my grandmother, up until the age of 90, uh, formed her own land in Louisiana. We both share those Louisiana roots, Susan. Um, and seeing her passion, her grit, and, you know, for a petite woman farming, you know, 10 acres of land, for the most part by hand, just took a lot of determination. But she always kept such a positive spirit. She never let anything get her down. My grandmother only had an eighth grade education and she was a voracious reader. She would read everything. She would always ask me to help her with things, but she never lost sight of what she was capable of doing. Um, and she inspires me because, you know, she had six children. Her husband died of a freak uh, accident on a construction site. And everyone in the family said, I think you need to split up these kids. A woman alone with six children, you're not going to be able to make it. And she said, no, my family's going to stay together. And against all the odds, she made it happen. And, you know, my mom and her brothers all thrived because love was at that foundation and at that core. Uh, and my grandmother was always open to new ideas and she learned new things. And she was never a person who was you know, satisfied with the status quo. She always believed there could be a better way. For my mom, my, my mom was a math teacher. She taught in the Louisiana public school system for 30 years. Uh, and she went to college while I was a small child. Uh, I went to college with her. I often tell people that's why I have four degrees because I got the degrees with my mom. She got a bachelor's <laughs> and a master's and I was there with her in night school. Um, but once again, it was all about persevering, seeing it through, setting a goal and working to accomplish it, no matter what the odds were, whether they were financial, time, you're tired, it's no, I've committed to do this and I'm going to deliver. But having that positive energy, I think often people fall into the trap of it's too much. It's, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I can't. And that was never in their vocabulary. It was always, I can do it, I will do it. Uh, and that has inspired, continued to inspire me to this day. I think of them as my two angels, one sitting on each shoulder. Uh, when I have a rough day, I always think, well, you know, you have this opportunity, be grateful, make the most of it, live your best life. So continue to inspire me. That is so, look, so, Folks, you didn't know this because I didn't mention this earlier, but it is worth mentioning. We are three Southern women right here. So on this call, you have three Southern women. Um, I too am from Louisiana, uh, if y'all couldn't tell by the accent. And I think pretty much every time I talk to somebody, they either say, are you from the South or where in the South are you from? <laughs> so it, I'm busted. There's no hiding it. Um, but I embrace it and I love it. And Kate, you too are from the South. Is it, is it Mississippi? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, there you go, right there. She remembered her manners. Um, so I love that. And I have to tell you folks, it's really different growing up there. Now, one of the things I wanted to do was leave, but I still have a great big place in my heart for my home state. And I think that um, 
we learn things that we take for granted when you're raised there. Uh, and I joke about manners and being polite, not even, not, not just table manners, those are important too, but being um, kind and being supportive and listening with empathy. I think those are things that we're raised with down South. Now I'm not just, that's not saying that people can't be raised with those things elsewhere. I just know that that's a big part of our narrative growing up in the South. And I see that in your telling your story, Sharon, and I see that. So, so I recognize that I was raised with lots of privilege, um, but my father was the first generation of all that. You know, his mother, my Shiro, if you will, was um, a really hard charging, aggressive, don't mess with me or my kids kind of uh, Sicilian woman. <laughs> so you might imagine people take, they took notice, you know, <laughs> she gave notice, you know. So I love the stories about the, the everyday people, not just, you know, sheroes that we read about. Yes, they provide inspiration as well, but people we actually know and love and trust who are in our lives that have served as your inspirational mentors. So thank you for sharing about that. Um, well, Kate, I don't even need to ask this next question of either one of you, but I usually ask folks a little bit about, I mean, like, so not everybody can do the big event that I do each year. Not everybody can do the big event that you ladies do each year, but what can we do just day to day in some small but impactful way uh, to support other women? So I think that we have created, certainly in business and sometimes in personal circles, a feeling of scarcity for women's success. And, you know, if there's only one seat at the table for a woman, we're gonna compete with one another to get in that seat. And I think that women all need to take a very big deep breath and realize that there is always room. And, you know, when we talk about seats at the table, I'm an advocate for bring one pull up a chair you know them right there if they don't give you a seat at the table bring a folding chair exactly <laughs> exactly and so i think it is incumbent upon us as women to bring other women in to understand to make sure that they feel like they belong and use their perspectives and i would also say one other note on that is bringing women along is also educating men and so the other piece that I am very adamant about is mentoring young men for sort of middle career or late career women. Because as you teach men what women's leadership looks like, it becomes very normalized and it becomes less of a um, different uh, later. Yeah, it becomes yeah. the norm. And so I think that the best thing we can do is bring women along, but also bring young men along with. I love that. So I, I say I love that a lot. Not Folks, y'all know, I, I, if I don't love it, I'm not going to say I love it. I might even say something else. But I do love, I love all this. Um, I just two days ago gave a session on how women and men communicate differently, lead differently, what leadership looks like, and how without raising awareness of those differences, we can't embrace each other's differences. We can, you know, we need to be curious and, and embrace and acknowledge um, that leadership has many different faces and, you know, embrace just because it's not the leadership style that you would engage in doesn't mean it's not a great leadership style. So 
I love that you said that. Well, what about you, Sharon? What advice can you give folks out there, men and women, how, on how we can, you know, help lift other women in business? Uh, I think, you know, Kate really hit it on the nail, nail on the head. Um, I think women in the workplace really do need to come together. You know, it is already sometimes a challenge but I think we find greater support when we do unite and come together. And it's important in the workplace, I think more so than anywhere else, that we share our stories. Because when you look at someone, you have no idea what they're experiencing, how they experience it. But when we come together and actually share our stories, that's when we find those common bonds. And I think finding support in whether your colleagues are at senior level or middle management or even at the entry level, that coming together and sharing the stories is really important. Um, I often tell people, you know, this equality is not a pie. My slice isn't going to be bigger or smaller than yours. It really is around this equal distribution of access and having the ability to not only have that seat at the table, but you're gonna get served the exact same meal that everyone else is going to get served. You're not at the kitty table. You're not gonna just get the chicken while everyone else gets the steak, but you get the same meal. Um, so it's important that women really come together around that and align on our commonalities. Um, in terms of men, I am a huge proponent of allies. I think men are in a unique position in the workplace today where they have the ability to create space. And what I mean by create space is create opportunities, entry and access for women to shine. It's not about speaking for her, but it's about opening the space so that she can speak for herself. Because I think often women feel as though somehow they don't possess the capabilities or they're not ready. And that's not often the case. But men are, have the unique ability in most respects to create that space for women to come in and really showcase their talents, their skills, and their capabilities. So I'm a big proponent of men in the workplace being allies and for women to really seek out allies. We, you know, we are not going to solve the challenges of gender equality alone. It has to be a collective. I agree. I agree. And I think that um, we need to share this message that men are as much a part of the conversation as women because they're scared. They're scared right now. They're like, oh no, oh, oh, it's a woman's thing. They want me, you know, what do they want? They're afraid because of, you know, the Me Too movement, which is totally separate from what we're talking about and what we're doing but they're afraid to attend the women's events when I, I open my doors to everyone. So it's not just for women. And I know you do too. Um, <clears throat> but I think that it's really important to gain their perspective because we, when we course correct and shoot for equity, we're not looking to uh, create an equal but opposite problem where we have, you know, 60, 40 now women, um, gain all the favor that men now gain and men are being held back. That's not what we're looking to do. We're looking for parity. Like you said, chicken and steak, chicken and steak, and I'll eat both. If you know me, <laughs> you'll know, you know that. <laughs> but um, 
I like both, but yeah. So I think that um, we're making progress, but progress is not parity and that's the goal. So I love that you both, I have some guests that don't agree that they think that men have had their day and their day is done and it's our time to shine. But I don't think we can shine if we're not shining the light on everyone. Uh, we're, we're saying that this is not fair and it's a problem. And then we're creating this, the equal but opposite problem. That doesn't make sense. So I love that you both uh, think that men are part of the answer. Uh, to this challenge that we face. So speaking of challenges, so Miss Kate, tell us what perhaps has been a challenge or setback in your life and how did you overcome that? A couple of them and, and I'd say, you know, sticking with our theme because I've had lots of them with three children and <laughs> three I boys. <laughs> Um, but, you know, as I, as I look back on my career now and I think about the challenges ahead, it really is, you know, as you said, this parity and creating a, um, an equal distribution of opportunity. And that is a big challenge. And, you know, having this focus on gender equity and understanding, you know, how we message that in a way that is, you know, not exclusionary and that it helps both men and women belong is a very tricky it's a very tricky operation because as you said you know there are men and there are women you know the data says that there are 59 percent of this country men and women say that they don't believe women have the skills to either um, run the country or run businesses. And so there is a big challenge for us in terms of education, in terms of redefining how we work and how we engage. You know, Susan, the work that you do in terms of gender communication, it is about recognizing and understanding how we are different and how we can make the most of that difference to be successful. Right, embracing the difference and Absolutely. understanding. So a lot of people say, well, what are the tools and what are, well, I don't go into the tools until my second phase of my work that I do, or maybe I'll do that in a workshop, but in a, in a opening in my presentation, we talk about how we got to where we are, why we are where we are. And then I talk about how to get to where we need to be because we, we are different, but if we don't raise awareness in a way that we appreciate the differences where, um, you know, those are valued and not say, oh, she doesn't lead like he does. So she's not a good leader. No, it's like speaking Italian and speaking French. They're both valid languages, but if you don't understand the language of the other communication doesn't take place. So yeah, um, we are all on the same page with that for sure. Well, and I, think, I think one of the thing that it is really important context to that, and I'll go back to our work environment is changing. The work environment that we're talking about in terms of defining leaders and how it's structured today is a work environment of post-World War II that assumed that there was a working husband, a wife that stayed home with children. There was, you know, predictable office hours. There was predictable, you know, in some cases, office wardrobe and behavior. And, you know, there was some cadence around that. And right now, what we're talking about is that is all changing. And so that is very destabilizing. And so I want to recognize that. And that is destabilizing for all kinds of people in all kinds of ways, not just gender. 
And so as we, you know, I was speaking to a college class the other day, I was guest lecturing and the, one of the students said, you know, I'm doing an internship and I'm working for a, a big company and I use my phone. And when I'm on my phone working, people come to me and say, this is not the time for social media. And they hold up their phone and say, I'm actually working on doing what I'm supposed to, but they work in such a different way than we were taught to work that it becomes a challenge. And so I think, you know, as we, as we think about the changes that are happening in, in the workforce, this is a moment that we have the opportunity to reinvent how we relate. It's across the board. So I think, you know, instead of focus on only what women want, it's like, this is a piece of that gig economy. It's a piece of the fact that we don't work for 20 years for the same company. It's a piece of remote working. Those are all a redefinition and it becomes less scary. If you think about it, it's an element of change, not right. the, yeah. and so that's kind of how I position it. Yeah, I, I think also, I mean, it's important to acknowledge the largest segment of the population are millennials. So what work is has completely been redefined. Work is about flexibility. It's about wellness. It's about balance. It's about remote working, working from home, traveling while work. So all of the original constructs, you know, from that post-war era about being in an office no longer really exist. And anyone coming out of college now, and I work in the tech space, which is pretty much dominated by millennials, that just isn't reality. It's not reality. It's not acceptable. No one's going to sign up for that. I want to be able to bring my dog to work. I want to wear sneakers. I want to wear jeans. <laughs> I want to have free snacks. I, that, that, is, that is what's actually being asked of the workplace. But what comes with that is a different communication style and a different way in terms of how people engage. Because long gone now are the face-to-face -face meetings. We are on video conference. We're on our phones. We use technology to communicate with one another. So the construct around how we create not only access, but parity has really shifted. And you're starting to see companies have to think more carefully around, so what is our culture? It's not going to be nine to five. People maybe want to work 10 to six. Some want to work noon to nine. Some want to work seven to three. Uh, that flexibility and acknowledgement of, you know, I don't live to work, I work to live, and what does that look like is really important. I think the key thing that, you know, in terms of differences is it's about the value of the work. You know, when Kate talked about, we thought about the man who went to work and the woman who stayed at home, but when we think about women who do stay at home and care for their children and care for their homes, we don't value that work at the same level. And that's where this has to shift because now you're starting to see more what we would call non-traditional families. Most people, both parents work. You know, the value of the work has really changed. And I think that's where it comes to, is it, are we creating the right language and the right vocabulary to understand where value lies? Because I would argue that you know, raising a child is way more valuable than working at any company because it's a human life. It's a human being. And if you mess up, something bad might happen to that kid. So you're, 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 you are the caretaker of a life. That's, that has tremendous value. So it's all about how do we 
pivot a bit in our thinking and open up you know that lens on okay here's all of the ways people are contributing and bringing value and helping to grow our community why are we now saying one's greater than the other they may be different but one actually isn't greater than the other i agree i agree so ladies have you either either of you or both of you read daniel pink's a whole a whole new mind yes so that's what i'm hearing come out of your mouth is saying that it's the quality of the time you spend working, not the quantity of time you spend working. Um, and I think that people who are right-brained and creative and uh, you know, are, are questioning authority as to why do I have to be here nine to five when I work best from 10 to six? Um, I think that's really important that companies that are progressive are embracing these sorts of new ways of working and creating um, opportunity for people to work at their highest and best, not fitting into their their little box, you know? So um, I think that's really great that you brought that up. I think I was way ahead of my time when I wanted to work from 10 to six and they were like, no, you have to be here at eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? um, uh, I oftentimes, you know, just in jest, my son, whom Kate knows, will say, okay, boomer, when I say something, you know, and um, I'm not a boomer, but my husband is, and we laugh at him so hard, and we have to open our minds and hear his ideas, because he's smart, and his ideas are great, and we can't just fall back on what we are accustomed to. We want to learn from him what would work for you, and in doing so, um, one, he feels like he belongs. We try to, you know, two, he feels valued in his different ways of working. Um, and three, I learned so, so much from, you know, we have millennials in my family and we have, he is a, what, Kate? He's a Gen Z? Z, Gen Z. He's a yeah. Gen Zer. He's a Gen Zer. So I've got to learn all this. I'm, I'm what, a Gen Xer? Mike is a yeah. boomer. We've got it all. We've got keto diet. We've got vegans. We've got Gen Xers, boomers, and millennials. It's just crazy. Um, I'm learning so much. Um, so at one point in my life, I'm going to have to say, hey, do I still belong? You know, so um, tell me a little something surprising, Sharon. Now, a lot of what you've said has been surprising to me because I have not met you before. I love that you're from Louisiana and you appreciate Creole food as do I. I read that in your uh, bio. It's great. Um, but tell us something surprising that maybe even Kate doesn't know. Oh, well, what Kate doesn't know is all through middle school and high school, I was a, a just a high achieving 4-H member. And I had a prize winning bull. I have I have made my way around many a livestock show. Uh, in hilarious. I love uh, it. That's so hilarious. So so I, I okay. So for those of you outside of the South who may not know what 4-H is, <laughs> um, I I look. I'm smiling so hard. My cheeks are burning. So what was your bull's name? I had a prize winning bull as well. I've been there. I had a dog who won. Uh, in the dog show, uh, Blue Ribbon, you know, that's so I baked a pie that won something. I mean, 4-H is a big deal and they participate mightily in the San Mateo County Fair and we go every year, we support them and it's just great stuff. So tell us about your experience. What did you learn as a 4-H'er? 
as a 4 H'er, I got a chance to learn a lot of real life skills and, you know, things that's so funny today, people might think that they were antiquated, but I actually can sew on a button. I can, <laughs> I, I can make my own jams and jellies and preserve vegetables. Um, I can also obviously deal with livestock. I know where my food comes from. Um, and, but I also learned a lot of values around community. Yeah. Um, around connection with people, you know, across Louisiana and across all of the parishes, you have different cultures. Um, and it was what 4-H did was help us find those common bonds and work together. But we became, you know, it was really the engagement, as you remember, of the head, heart, and hands. Uh, yeah. so you really got a full perspective on life in rural America. Um, and I, I really appreciate 4-H for that because it did bring together kids from different backgrounds in rural areas. And we learned great skills that still serve me today. I can, you know, still go out in the yard. I know how to use a hoe. I can use a back plow. I can do all of those things. So I'm not, you know, one of those people who's like, I have no idea what tools are in the Home Depot. I actually can use most of them. So That's I'm always- awesome. Uh, That's awesome. That's impressive. 4-H is a great organization. I, it I guess, is. I think more city kids could probably benefit from 4-H at times. Well, but, I uh, think that's a big deal here in San Mateo County. It's the wealthiest county in Northern California. And I think they are city kids who get involved and they learn to appreciate their whole selves and find this other side. So when you first said what you had learned from 4-H and, you know, I, I mean, I hear a woman who's ready for the, the big one. If the earthquake hits, she's ready. She's, she can grow, she can pickle and, and she can can and jar and, you know, all that stuff. She's ready. And I hear a woman who can, you know, uh, raise her own food and then cook it and, you know, feed the masses when we have that big hit. And my husband, I'm laughing right now because my husband has a big, big, big pantry in our garage called the Earthquake Survival Pantry. And <laughs> I accidentally opened that pantry one day looking for office supplies and I saw, you know, the typical canned goods and, but I saw 12 boxes of Whoppers in that. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, really? So if there's an earthquake that hits, the thing you need to survive is a box of Whoppers, not just one, but 12. <laughs> yeah. So I love everything about both of you women. You're remarkable. Um, I find when I get excited, I start to raise my voice and I'm yelling. So sorry about that. But um, y'all are just so tremendous. And um, my cheeks are burning. My eyes were kind of welling up with tears from laughing. You know, I was trying not to let you hear me laugh because it gets very distracting and loud on the um, podcast. But you're both so, so wonderful. Um, I'm going to put your contact information in the blog. But for those who listen only, uh, if you'll one at a time, tell us how can people reach you? That would be great. So they can reach me the easiest way at bboldnow.com. So be bold. And there is contact forms there. I have, um, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook pages. And me personally, they can reach me at kate at bboldnow.com. And, you know, we are so gearing up for International Women's Day, and I want to make sure that we tell people 
happy International Women's Day. Why it don't is you take this chance? We didn't even mention that. So let's take a little minute to talk about that and invite people to this event. Folks, buy tickets. You'll see me there. You'll see Kate there. You'll see Sharon there. And you'll see uh, about 600 other remarkable women who are working hard uh, to create equity in the workplace. So Kate, tell us a little bit about the event that's coming up March 5th. The event is March, the evening of March 5th in Seattle. It doors open at 5.30 with a reception, wine and food. And then the show begins at 6.30 to 8.30. And it is really, the intent is to acknowledge and celebrate women through stories. We do a little bit of acknowledging where we are according to data that we have from sources like the World Economic Forum report on the gender gap. We take it from the globe to the US to our city and talk about work that needs to be done. We celebrate work that has been done and some major accomplishments. And then we listen to women from all sorts of backgrounds and cultures and ages tell their bold stories. And so we would absolutely love for anyone in the area to join us. This is our fifth annual event. It is held at the Benaroya Hall, which is the Seattle Symphony Hall. And if they go to our website, they can buy tickets or they can go directly to the Seattle Symphony Benaroya Hall to buy tickets. That's awesome. You're both remarkable women. I love you both. I can't wait to meet you personally, Sharon, and to see you again, Kate. And uh, this event will be just people talk about it for the entire year. And then they shift from it was so great. It was so great to when is the next one? When is the next one? Like it's, it's talked about all year long. Um, so I'm super proud of you both for growing this and for Nikki, who's not on the call today, but she's a big part of the event as well. Um, but I'll put information about the event in the blog, folks, so that you can click links and get there to buy your tickets or learn more or share with your friends. So thank you, ladies, for being here. It was fun. It's always funny, um, um, but it was fun as well. And you're terrific. Thank, well, thank you, you, Susan. Susan. We look forward to seeing you on next Thursday. Next Thursday. Be bold. I'll be, I'll be wearing my hot pink. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.